Five-minute penalty to Chicago, a game misconduct, and then Manson having words with Stephen. And now, Butcher gets into it. We're going to have a brawl, folks. Stand by. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Tyler Cash with Fourth Line Goon Hockey Podcast. It's been a minute, and uh, we're here talking about uh, hockey and having some drinks. Uh, what's up, Tom? How you doing? Don't call me Tom, number one. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, secondly, I am sitting here drinking a non-alcoholic filtered water beverage out of my Stanley Cup mug. Thank you very much. I was trying to change it up a little bit with the Tom. It felt it felt weird though. It did. It felt icky to call you Tom. You don't yeah. seem like a Tom. I'm not a, more of a. I'm not like a 40 year old man with like a handlebar mustache. So, yeah, you, you don't have a, a bowling league yet, and like a, a Fu Manchu. That's I, that's definitely what I think of when I think of Tom. We're getting there. Yeah, we're getting. We are getting there. Uh, so you're not drinking. So no claws for you, huh? Not yet, at least. Not yet. Yeah, I already started, uh, but I am. I got to take a break from the claws. They've been giving me some uh, some pretty gnarly hangovers because I'm doing that low carb thing, obviously. And I mean, there's something about those things if uh, they just go down so goddamn smooth. So I drink way too many of them. Sounds like you're just a little bitch. Yeah, that's true. But I, I did. I've been. <laughs> I just been doing the. Went back to the vodka energy drinks. Uh, you know, like the rock star low carb. And I, I do want to bring this up because this blows my fucking mind. Do you drink those Bang energy drinks? You ever had one of those? Yeah, I had one when I was in town for the playoffs. It's just, I don't like them. They're, they're fucking way too sugary. Yeah, they're they're liquid trash. And I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm convinced... Uh, I'm convinced that people are fucking psychopaths that drink these like every day. I, I can't get through half a can without getting heart palpitations. It, it, it's fucking intense. I don't know what they put in those things, but yeah, I, I tried it again last night. I, I got halfway through and I was like, nah, not for me. Not for yeah, me. Yeah, it's no bueno. So, um, but yeah, you know, it's been uh, been a few weeks since we've had a podcast. Uh, they're kind of few and far between just because. Obviously, the season hasn't started yet, but we're getting wicked fucking close. The preseason starts this weekend, eh? Yeah, starting off with your, I guess so. And it was that was the game that ended the season uh, for the Knights, I believe. The Coyotes and uh, Knights. I guess they're the end of the regular season. Obviously, not their actual season, but yeah, that's uh, excited. To actually, have hockey on the on the agenda again. No, that's nuts. It's a, well, it's actually the Sharks and the Knights, and they're together oh, like. Yeah, the last preseason game is Sharks and Knights, and then the home opener for the Knights is the Sharks, and then the home opener for the Sharks is the Knights. Like three back-to-back games towards the, like well, I mean, not including preseason, obviously, but that's just insane. That's just going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, get out all the bad blood early. But no, yeah, I just looked it up. Yeah, Coyotes Golden Knights, one thirty p.m. on Sunday. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, Thought we were talking about regular season here, no, but I guess no, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself, but a couple weeks. Yeah, I, dude, I can't wait. Is uh, when does Blues preseason start? I think it's the following days. My guess, I yeah, it's 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 the next day with the Stars. Blues are in Dallas, but I mean, again, it's preseason. It's not going to mean anything. You're going to have people trying to make a name for themselves from AHL rookies, all that fun stuff. It's not going to be anything near as exciting as when the actual season starts, as we all know. So. Well, so that answers my next question. I was going to get into it. Some people don't care about preseason. Uh, I get amped personally. I think it's cool to see these guys competing for the last jobs, you know, the last spots on the roster. Um, so you don't really get uh, you don't get all worked up over these. Well, that's the problem. The problem is it's like there's not much to get worked up over because they're not televised. Like I'm looking it over and. The Blues have one game televised, and it's not the Blues. It's the Capitals. And then another game, I guess a Thursday preseason game against the Red Wings. But other than that, like you don't get many of the games. So it's just kind of like you have to listen on the radio, which only goes so far. I don't have anything against the radio, but there's you can't you know watch these rookies actually try and battle it out. You know, Someone makes a well, can- borderline check and fight and fight and things like that. So... Yeah, there were man, there were a ton of fights in that rookie, uh, the rookie camp tournament uh, that you went to, right? You, <laughs> which game did you? Which game did you catch? Uh, I went to the uh, I went to the Saturday one with uh, Coyotes and Knights, 
Uh, yeah, three fights. It all started. There was like a borderline heavy, heavy hit that was potentially a board, but could have gone either way. And then they didn't call it. And then one fight and then another fight. And then I think the same guy that fought the first time on the counties fought a second time, which that was great. But yeah, I mean, granted, the first one was more of a tug fest. The second one's, you know, actually had a few more punches at least thrown or landed. But yeah, it was definitely... 12 bucks to see it new, uh, new rink there for the ducks practice facility in Irvine. This is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty neat experience. Yeah. It's really awesome to see these kids basically just scrapping for attention, you know, like yeah. they they really, they really want people to pay attention. They want their names to stick out. So you get a little bit more of that old time hockey, um, aside from, you know, the studs like, uh, you know, Capo who, uh, Cap- Capo, Cap- how do I, how do I say that guy's name? Capo Capo Caco. Okay, shit. Say that three times fast. That uh, <laughs> that overtime goal that he had was just fucking sick, and I mean, he looked bored out there. I mean, yeah. he, I mean, he's going to be starting, you know, home opener, no doubt. I would assume. There's no question. Yeah, him and Hughes are locks for the roster. There's there's no way of getting around that unless there's an injury. But yeah, they're, they're starting, no doubt. And if you don't know what we're talking about, you can actually go to over to our uh, Facebook, Fourth Line Goon, uh, and check out a video of uh, one of the fights uh, from that game that we were just talking about that Tommy captured. Uh, and uh, also that that goal, uh, that overtime goal from uh, in, over in New York. Um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm fucking stoked. Uh, I hope I can find some, uh, some black market uh, streams, some illegal channels, if you will, uh, to catch some of these preseason games because... Although this has been the shortest uh, off season that either of us have ever known for the most part, yep. it, it sure as hell doesn't feel that way at all. I'm ready for hockey again. Yeah, I mean, we're getting there. I mean, it's weird because there's still a lot of people, you know, major names that are unsigned. And, you know, there's the big dark cloud looming of the NHLPA potentially wanting to rediscuss the CBA, which we're going to get into as well. But it's weird. Yeah, it's a weird, uh, weird feeling. You know, there's the excitement for hockey, but there's also the uncertainty of is NHL going to be missing their stars for a couple weeks, a couple months? Is there going to be hockey next year? There's a lot of shit to, to look, look forward to. It's actually not anything to look forward to, to be honest. Right. Like you have people questioning and wondering about line a and and marner and obviously with last season you know nylander holding out for damn near the whole season uh i mean that's it's a scary time to be a hockey fan you know wondering if your favorite players are even gonna step foot on the ice i mean yeah it's it's not only that but i mean i guess we can just get into it right now fuck it i mean there's still i mean there's still 15 rfas that haven't signed and there is probably 12, 11 of them are major names. I mean, Kyle Connor, Patrick Laine of the Jets, arguably two top-line guys there. Matthew Kachuk of the Flames, guy who put up almost 80 points last year. Brock Besser of the Canucks, guy who put up you know almost 30 goals, and you know, he's 22. It's I mean, all these guys are 21, 22, 23. I mean, the list goes on. It's just – it's nuts. It's These guys want to get paid, and I mean – they damn well deserve to be, but it's, it's just crazy. Is it like, are they, again, are they going to be holding out for, you know, a deal that makes sense for them? Are they gonna, you know, sign once the season starts or right before it? I don't, I don't know what to expect because we really haven't had anything like this happen in the NHL that I can really think of. Right. And word on the street is that Mitch Marner, you know, turned down the 11 million contract yeah. uh, long-term uh, because you'll see this from a lot of players because honestly, the future is uncertain. They're talking about the salary cap going up immensely, like somewhere in the ballpark of like a hundred million dollars. They're, they're talking about potential lockout and, you know, these players want stability and, and they don't want to sign that, you know, as greedy as it sounds, they don't want to sign that $11 million contract for eight years. If the salary cap goes up and then, you know, the next slew of superstars, are going to get paid 13 or 14, you know, whatever it may be. And, uh, you know, so those bridge deals are something that, um, you know, players are probably considering at this, at this point, people were saying, you know, maybe Marner might sign three years, you know, six, 7 million, something like that. You just wait it out. Uh, it's a very interesting time. Do you, do you think that we are looking at 
a potential lockout this season? I mean, is it going to happen that soon? I thought we were, you know, a couple seasons away from something like that. Well, no, it wouldn't happen this season. Um, pretty much what it set is, I think the deadlines were August 30th. The NHL, up until August 30th, the NHL had the option to reopen the CBA negotiations for, you know, a deal that they think is more favorable for them or, or whatever. They said, no, we're cool with it. We're not going to do anything. So then now the NHLPA, um, they basically have until September 15th, which I believe is Sunday, um, to basically notify the NHL if they want to reopen CBA discussions and opt out of the CBA going forward after this season. So that being said, I think that has a huge, huge point and reason as to why this is happening because the players, if again, if, they, if they're not getting signing bonuses in this lockout year, they're not getting paid. So if you sign a guy for $15 million, you know, th- hypothetically, and his signing bonus is $1 million and they don't play that year, he's only getting paid $1 million. He's not getting the other $14 million of his deal. So, I mean, I think that's definitely a huge factor in it. I mean, if we're looking at Marner specifically, I think his dad and his agent have caused a lot of shit, quite frankly, with all this. And I think the same, yeah, same thing with Nylander. His dad was a hard ass about this deal too, but... I mean, I think this more comes along the lines of I want to be paid like John Tavera's money or Austin Matthews money. I think more likely Austin Matthews money. And that's what I want. That's what I feel like I'm worth. But then the flip side of it is he might want that short term, which is great for him. But then it's like, what if he, you know, tears an ACL or, you know, misses a full season and then he's got money for three years. And all of a sudden, you know, he has to sign another three-year deal for half that it's there. There's two ways to look at it. He loses security for bigger deals down the road, but I guess that's what betting on yourself is all about. So. Yeah. And we're going to talk about this here in a little bit, but you know, actually let's just kind of leeway into it because I think that this is a good, good leeway to talk about it. You are seeing these guys signing these contracts that some people might say are overpaid, but they're signing long-term. So you're seeing, you know, uh, obviously we have Josh Morrissey here who signed eight years at 6.25 with the Jets. Um, and people are up in arms like, wow, that, that's a pretty crazy amount of money for him, you know. But in the end of things, it's he, they have that, locked down for eight years they have that price locked down so in three four years if if the salary cap goes up that 6.25 kind of starts to look more like four you know and it's that is the reason why you're seeing these guys signing these smaller amounts of money for long term uh we talked about it last episode william carlson who signed for just under six million for eight years and people were thinking that when he had that breakout year, you know, the 42 or 43 goals, they were thinking this kid's going to bet on himself and, and get somewhere upwards of like nine, you know, 8.5, 9 million. Um, but at the end of the day, I guess, like you said, there is some stability in taking that sure money and making sure that you're taken care of for, you know, the better part of a decade. And, but that's why these contracts are seeming crazy. Uh, they're not crazy because we really don't, or they, they could be, we, we just don't know. We don't know what right. this league is even going to look like in two years. Yeah. And, and you're exactly right. It kind of comes down to the point where it's like, if you do some quick math, what the salary cap right now is it's 81 and a half, something like that this year. Sounds about right. So like, let's say, you know, assuming everything goes well, there's no lockout, either they negotiated a new CBA or the NH- NHLPA decides let's just stick with it. You know, let's assume the salary cap goes up to eighty-three million, for example. Like, take his cap hit, and it's basically—I mean—ends up being about you know eight percent of the cap, give or take. And then, as time goes on, as the cap goes up more and more, his deal actually is taking up less and less the cap hit. So, at the end of you know three years into the deal, his for a solid second pairing guy, in my opinion, which is Josh Morris, is going to end up being. You know, having a guy that's taking up five, six percent of your cap hit ends up being a pretty good deal as long as he's producing. But yeah, that, that tends to be how it always works. I mean, you see not only, you know, these mid-level deals, but, you know, seeing Sidney Crosby signed what he's signed for. And it's just like putting it in comparison of, you know, what Connor McDavid makes. Like Sidney Crosby's making $8.7 million a year for, you know, arguably year in, year out could be, you know, candidate for an MVP. Um, put team on his back, take him to a cup cup run, things like that. 
And then what, a few years later, you have McDavid who signs and the guy is making 12 and a half million. And it's just goes to show like, it depends on when you come up really the, the later you come up. Like if I have a kid right now and you know, things keep going the way they are and he makes the NHL and he's a superstar, he's probably going to be making like 20, 25 million at that point. Well, you know, these guys aren't making anywhere near, near that currently. Yeah. I was listening to spit and chicklets actually earlier today and they were talking about the first uh, salary cap, uh, 2005, oh, 2006. Do you, do you know, do you take a guess? Do you have any idea of what the first salary cap was? It was like stupid low, right? If I remember correctly, it was yeah, like around I mean, 40 was, million, I think. Yeah, it was 30, 39 million for the salary cap for the <laughs> entire joke. team. So ju- that just, it goes to show you how different the league has been uh, in, you know, this, you know, 12, 13, 14 years, something like that. Um, I'm horrible with math, by the way, even, even simple math. Um, but, you know, as the salary cap is going up and the league is evolving, we are seeing, you know, just different price amounts and for, you know, different terms. Um, I will say this Crosby is a different scenario altogether because I think he enjoys being comfortable. I think he enjoys being the man. Sure. Uh, and these guys that are upcoming, uh, you know, Matthews, McDavid, I don't think that they're as married to the organizations that they played for as or that they play for as Crosby is um, who seems to wear the Penguins, you know, logo with pride and and, and more than likely is going to retire a Penguin. I've, I've heard yeah. that basically he, he they're going to do everything they can to keep him there his entire career. Um, and so with that being said, I don't think money means as much to him. Uh, you know, I, I obviously money means something to everybody, but you know, Matthews, McDavid, these like my dick is bigger than yours mentality, you know, and I'm going to flaunt it and I'll go where the money is and I'll, you know, I'll be the man wherever I want to be. Sure. Uh, just a little bit different. I think Crosby, you know, he's got a little bit more of that old school loyalty um, to his team. And, um, you know, he's arguably the best player, you know, in the world. I mean, I guess people could say McJesus is these days, but I mean, proven, you know, we're looking at Sidney Crosby uh, and, the first thing that comes to mind for me, and, and I'm not going to take it too far from hockey because this is a hockey podcast, but um, is Tom Brady. You know, he isn't the highest paid quarterback in the league, but is clearly the most successful. And, you know, he's getting older, but he's kind of just staying put. You know, he's going to be on the Patriots until he until he retires. And, you know, he's going to make his his decent chunk of change. But it's definitely not going to compare to these superstars that are coming up in the league, you know, sure. as we're talking right now. And I guess, yeah, I mean, I was looking it over right now too. And I guess the, the one thing that Sidney Crosby had an advantage of when he signed was, I don't think there was a minimum length on, or the maximum length on the number of contract years you can sign somebody. Cause his deal was 12 years, 104 million. So 12 year deals aren't possible <laughs> now. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, I guess when did that come into play? Because the maximum now is eight, correct? Yeah, I th- it was whenever the last CBA. I think was it was it fifteen, sixteen, or sixteen, seventeen? It's one of those two. Um, crazy. Yeah, crazy. yeah. I, I mean, yeah, that just goes- and that's just yeah. How much has changed in just a little over ten years? And we're it's getting ready to continue. You know, in that direction. Um, you know, another notable uh, signing that we could talk about that's kind of fitting into also what we were talking about is Clayton Keller. Um, He just signed an extension. Uh, Give me the details on that. Yeah. So Clayton Keller, uh, St. Louis native, basically re-signed with the Coyotes, eight years, 7.15 million average annual value on that guy. People are saying like, why did he get that much? He's a small guy. He's not going to cut it in the NHL for that long. You know, a big hit. And he's, you know, out for, you know, his career, blah, 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 this and that. And I mean, the way you got to look at it is like, they they basically, in my opinion, I think they got him in a steal. Just considering, I mean, the, the teams that he's played on in Arizona have been kind of, I mean, it's fa- fair to say a joke. You know, I mean, kids putting up you know 60 and 50 point seasons he's a minus you know 7 and 21 his first two full years there but that's more of i feel like the talent around him and not really having much of a defense in my opinion or let alone a goalie till you know arguably last year but 
yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be good. He's only 21 years old, and he, you know, he's putting up 50 points in NHL, 65 career high. Like, uh, that's kind of a good deal, I feel like. Again, as we discussed earlier, you know, as the cap goes up, $7 million for a guy who can, how I honestly wouldn't have a problem saying, who could, you know, easily, with the people he's going to have around him now, you know, pop 30 goals, pop 50 assists, have 80-point seasons, you know, consistently, that that's a damn steal. Like, there's no question about it. Yeah, it looks bad on paper now. I, I could agree with that. Like 7.15 now for a guy that I think put up like 43 points, something that low last season, uh, it, it looks bad. But as we talked about, as we're saying and why we're bridging this together, it soon won't look that bad. And the fact that you're going to have this particular player through his prime when he hasn't even hit his stride yet uh, at that price is going to be great. And I, I would imagine uh, he's, I mean, they have Phil Kessel that's coming over. I mean, are they could be potentially on a line together? I mean, I, like. I, I don't, follow, I don't follow, uh, you know, I, I actually don't know too, too much about Keller. Um, is Are they, would, would they be paired up? You would think, or are they, do they play similar roles? How does that, how would that work? I mean, I, I would assume there'd be an opportunity for it just depending on what's going on. I would, I would assume worst case scenario if they're not on the same line at least to start i mean they would at least be on the same power play unit that sort of a thing i mean that's where obviously kessel gets the majority of his points and i think having kessel out there is just going to open up more space for him to pass and shoot as it is so yeah i don't i don't see it being a bad thing for him and for or the organization either way and then not only that it sets the guy up you know he's going to be you know 29 or 30 when that deal expires and Say he is putting up 80 points a year, you know, 70 points a year consistently, he's going to get paid again. Like he's in a perfect spot for himself. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we talked about this a little bit last episode. Phil Kessel obviously coming over to play with uh, the Coyotes organization. I think we both agreed that a change of scenery, a change of pace is going to be great for him. But I feel like we should talk about a little bit. There's a little bit of drama that unfolded on the internet and it's not in our notes, but we might as well talk about it. Uh, There's that rumor going around that Malkin kind of said, Hey, if you don't get rid of Kessel, you know, I don't see myself wanting to stick around with this organization. Um, And, and that's pretty crazy to think that that might be something that's, that's going, you know, unfolding under the, under the scenes. Could you, could you see something like that happening for that team? I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely possible. I mean, I think it was a, I think it was a combination of Kessel not getting along with Malkin, but then also Kessel not really having a great relationship with their head coach, Mike Sullivan. So, I mean, you have a player saying, I don't want this guy on the team or I'm going to leave. But then you also have a coach who's like, this guy's really not responding to what I'm saying or he's not really, you know, respecting me. Something's got to give. And I mean, back-to-back Stanley Cup champion, you know, coach, potential, probably Hall of Famer of Guinea Malkin. You know, who are you going to get rid of out of the three, including Phil Kessel? I mean, it's kind of one of those situations where – it is what it is, and he had to go, but I mean, yeah, I guess it was more of a thing where, I mean, take the coaching out of it, it was what, Kessel was more focused on his stats than actual the team game, and I guess, I think they were on the same line, so Malkin was worried that, you know, he'd have the same, you know, sort of outlook put onto him as well, based on how Kessel's been playing and what he's looking out for, and he didn't want that, so... I don't know. I mean, relationships aren't always perfect in any sport. So, you know, it shit happens, I guess. But yeah, it's I I don't know how to have anything else other than that. So I don't think it's ever as intense as the media makes it out to be. Uh, I think it's just more so, you know, characters butting heads, guys wanting different things in life. And I think Phil needs to go somewhere and and thrive and and kind of be the man. And uh, he was always in the shadow of what you know, Malkin and Crosby were doing over in, in Pittsburgh. So I think a change of pace is going to be good for him. And, you know, I wish him the best on that. Um, yeah, moving on. I guess we could keep talking about uh, the signings. Let's talk about Jumbo Joe. Finally, the old man finally signed the contract, $2 million at one year. Yeah. Um, a little, little shocking uh, that he wasn't given the C, wouldn't you think? Uh, I mean, I don't think so. The guy's not going to be around more than another year or two tops, I feel like. So there's no point in making him a leader if he's not going to be there long term. Like, 
for example, who now has the C and Couture, who's going to be there, you know, long term. So that that's I think the reason behind it, in my opinion. True, true. I guess that that's something to really look out for when you're selecting a captain is you don't really want to make abrupt changes. I, I guess I don't look at it that way. I look at it as, you know, at the time, whoever the leader is, they deserve the C. And if that changes, you know, if they're not really, you know, exemplifying true leadership roles the following season, then they need to strike, you know, struck from them, you know, uh, kind of like the mentality of, you know, back in the nineties, um, you know, I, we always hear about how Mike Keenan and, and Hall were, you know, button heads. And, you know, he, as soon as Gretzky came in, it was like, you know, gone, you know, give me that C this is going to Wayne Gretzky. I mean, granted it's Gretzky and that's, you know, that's like the Trump card in hockey. Sure. Uh, but I feel like it, it felt right to have Jumbo Joe be the captain just because of that whole ordeal that went down last year. Don't want to spend too much time talking about it because I don't want my blood pressure to go up. But, uh, you know, uh, the whole speech about him stepping up and, you know, that's that's winning this for Pavelski. Like, that's you know, and they came back uh, game seven against the Knights. I mean, pretty moving speech. Uh, but I guess the way you talk about it, you know, they did just uh, did they just sign uh, Couture for like an extension? Isn't he going to be there for quite some time? Yeah, I believe so. But you're also the one thing you're forgetting about is they already stripped him of the C back in 2014, dude. Like he already got the captaincy taken away from him with the Sharks. And then to have a whole new group come in with some guys who have still been there, but basically and give it to him again would just feel weird. Would it not like. You got this taken away because you haven't been yeah. a good leader, but then a few years down the road, as you're close to retiring, now you're a better leader. So here you go. Like I don't, I don't, I don't. Get, that doesn't feel right. You never know, man. I mean, players definitely adapt and grow and change over time. I mean, I, I, I don't really know what goes on in the locker room. I, I, I'm obviously not the coach or you know, you know, the player, the guy who runs the player operations over there. So I don't really know. I just guess I was a little shocked to see that Couture got the C because it doesn't really. I mean, he's a goal scorer, absolutely, and he's an impressive goal scorer to say the absolutely fucking least. But I just don't see him as a, a leader. Like he, you know, he he seems really awkward. To be honest with you, he doesn't really seem like much of a communicator on the ice. You know, I don't know. I was just a little shocked by that. And um, you know, as we uh, we were talking about, you know, Jumbo did sign on for one more year, two million, and you know, he, it's obvious now that he's gonna retire a shark. Yeah. I mean, you also got to factor in the, the fact of it, too. It's like, what if 10 games into the season, you know, Thornton tears his ACL and he's out for the year and he's going to have to retire? Like, uh, what do we do now? Like, it's weird to name another captain midseason, I feel like, especially. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen that, really, besides, I don't even know if it's a trade, maybe? Yeah, possibly. But anyway, it's just like, I don't know. I, I You can't give it to a guy who's going, going out of the league, like, Look at it with the Knights, for example, with you, you know, Derek England, people thought he was going to get the C. And I mean, he's, is he, yeah, I think he's gone or does he have one more year left the Knights? I don't remember. But yeah, I mean, he, he just signed, he just signed a one year extension. Okay. And I think it was kind of because the Knights didn't really have any other options as far as like veteran shutdown defensemen. Right. Uh, I mean, they, they have McNabb and and then that's about it, man. Their, their defense looks even scarier than it has in years past. Um, so yeah, they gave him that one more year. Okay, and yeah, I mean, not not to uh, get off topic too much with that, but it's just like those older guys. It's just kind of like they're not going to be there long. Like they're going to be leaders of the locker room. Then a year or two down the road, you're going to have to change up the leadership, you know, culture and whatnot. It's just it, it seems strange you have to do that again in such a short time because then you're looking at what say he's around two years, and you're looking at what three captains in three years, give or take. You know, think about it that way. So that just doesn't look good, I feel like. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So uh, moving on, because we do have some more stuff to talk about. We don't want to keep, you know, this episode very long. We want to kind of get to the point uh, before, you know, obviously the season starts because we're going to have a lot to talk about in these cupping episodes. Uh, the <laughs> uh, Number one topic uh, on the Internet there for a good 48 hours was a Vander Kane. And uh, as you put in our notes, naked peen, man. Uh, yeah. So Vander Kane um, posed for ESPN magazine. Uh, and yeah. And when, uh, 
went full Mike Roch and everybody, you know, and uh, went full nude. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's nothing new. I mean, the last, I think, players that did it, ironically, I think were Sharks too. It was Thornton and Burns with their uh, with their beards. But, um, yeah, I mean, definitely a very interesting pose they picked, I suppose, would be the way to say it. But Dude, he's got a badunkadunk, dude. The guy's got a huge I mean, ass. I mean, that... It's like Kardashian size. I mean, it's definitely got to be shot. That <laughs> makes I would me assume. wonder, hundred percent. I would. I wonder if they thought about balancing like a hockey puck on his ass cheek, like the, that Kardashian, <laughs> you know, wine glass situation. Um, you, you know, I want to, you know, at the for the sake of, you know, I, I want to keep it light, so I don't want to get too dark. But I will say that I am a little surprised they decided to go with him, you know, on the cover, considering he has those allegations against him. You know, in such like a sexual way seems a little strange to me personally. I mean, it's not like he's like Mr. Wholesome. You know what I'm saying? Like when they did the they also did a cover where all it was like the female hockey team and they were all in the nude and it was kind of like a playful and artsy and fun cover shoot Uh, for him. It I don't know. It didn't seem that way. It, It seems like this is a dude who's had allegations against him. Uh, he, he hasn't had the, you know, the, the most clean career. Uh, I thought it was a little strange of a choice, but I mean, I, I obviously I'm biased because I hate the fucking well, guy. So that's, that, there's my, just makes me wonder who else, like, did they contact and who else is like, yeah, I'd be interested. Like, that's the other thing I gotta, I gotta think about in my head too. Like, you know, do I want my 99% of my body to be on the front cover of a ESPN magazine? Is that something I'm comfortable with? That's something I want to do. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's also, I mean, it's also just another opportunity in a good way, like for, in my opinion, the NHL to sort of spread their, you know, hockey is for everyone type of a type of a message they've been trying to push across the last couple of years, you know, relatively, you know, borderline, you could almost say, you know, superstar type player. Um, He can take over games at times and, you know, happens to be a person of color and, you know, successful at what he does. So, Let's put him on the on the magazine to, you know, show everyone that, you know, not just talented white dudes play hockey and, you know, have a great body, I guess. So, right, right. Yeah, they're not just Canadian dudes with no teeth that they can get, you know, a good looking dude on the front cover. And especially if it's ESPN, that makes sense because, you know, ESPN never fucking covers hockey. So uh, it's kind of a good look for the sport in general. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, hats off to that or pants off to that, (laughs) as you will. Uh, moving on, uh, Pierre Maguire. Let's talk about that uh, bald-headed son of a yeah, bitch, that, that penis-looking guy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I guess from my understanding, so he got essentially demoted, so where he's not on like if the so for example, if the NHL has like their Wednesday night NBCSN Wednesday night hockey or NBC, you know, Saturday afternoon game, that sort of a thing. He won't be doing those anymore. Thank God. But like, if there's, you know, a couple of games covered by NBCSN and in the same night and, you know, one's prime time and one's like secondary, he's probably going to work. He's going to be working the secondary game. The ones are going to have less ratings where uh, Brian Boucher, who's actually took over his spot, um, is going to be working the more prime time stuff, which, I think it's about time, personally. Yeah, I know a lot of people are stoked about that. Personally, I didn't have a any. I don't know. It didn't really rub me the wrong way, uh, but I could see, you know, time for change, especially with them bringing all the you know analytical stuff coming in the next year. And, and like I said, we're going to see this this league and change all across the board. Um, so he's not going, he's not leaving. He's not fired. He's just going to have a lesser role. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Yeah. He's basically going to be working the secondary, you know, the second tier of games that NBC, SN and NBC, I believe is going to be working. So like, for example, I mean, think of it from the playoffs perspective, you know, games that are going to be on NBC or, you know, NBC, SN, he's probably not going to work maybe earlier rounds, but again, it might be like, uh, what's a good example? Fuck. Like maybe if it's like the stars versus the predators, for example, he might work that game versus like a Bruins versus Rangers playoff game, you know, that type of a thing, you know, it's going to get more ratings where people are going to watch that sort of a thing. So he's still going to be around. You're still going to, you know, hear shit from him and it's awkward player interviews probably after the game. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you're going to hear him talking about Crosby 
even like in the distant background somewhere. That's, I wonder what Crosby's doing right now. See, that's that's what I'm hoping that yeah, he's not going to work at any Pittsburgh games. That would be nice to see for a change. I don't know if they want to make a grown man cry like that, but uh, yeah. So uh, then uh, moving on, uh, we got some retirement. Uh, Nicholas Cronwall. Uh, and I know you've got some uh, you got some some things to say about this fine gentleman. Yeah, total scumbag of a <laughs> of NHL player. If there has been one, he's like the perfect example of Euro trash. And if there's Red Wings fans listening, please call me out and tell me I'm wrong. I'm I'm happy to hear your side of the argument. But I mean, yeah, he won some cups. Great, you know, he's a member of the Triple Gold Club. You know, this and that. He has, you know, he's a great player on paper, sure, but guy is just a piece of shit on the ice. I mean, at the end of the day, he'd go and lay a heavy hit on somebody, clean, not clean, in my opinion. A lot of them were more not clean than they were, you know, clean. I mean, back in the day where really suspensions were handed out for that sort of a thing and concussions weren't really watched for. But, I mean, the guy would lay a hit. Someone would come to him and be like, dude, what the fuck, let's go. And he'd run away and hide behind his teammates. Literally, the guy played, what? The guy played almost 1,000 NHL games. Think about this. 1,000 NHL games and nearly, in my opinion, you know, every game, rather the game. He's in scrums with people. He didn't fight one single fucking time. Think about that. I mean, you can go on, you can go on YouTube and type in type in Cronwald, and there's literally video compilations of the hits that he lays, and people come up to him, and he literally runs away. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? And like, no one does anything about it, and it blows my mind that a guy can do that for his whole career and not fucking fight once. You blew my mind with that because, like, honestly, I had no idea that the guy had never been in a scrum. You know, uh, well, I mean, other than just, you know the repercussions of him laying somebody out. But like you said, yeah, the, if you just get on YouTube and you look up Cronwald, it's, he had his own like saying, you know, his, his own move, just laying dudes out. Right. And, and I'm into that. And I know you're into that too. We're both into the old time hockey. We, we love, uh, you know, throwing weight around and, you know, getting into it. But if you, if you're the kind of guy that's not going to answer the bell, if you're the kind of guy that's not going to drop mitts when, you know, the heat arises, uh, to me, that sounds like a fucking Brad Marchand. You know, that it sounds like somebody that is going to get under your skin and is going to go out there and purposely try to hurt guys, but, you know, isn't going to, you know, enforce, you know, follow the enforcer's code and, you know, do what he has to do to answer the call. If a guy's going to come at him and drop gloves, I mean, that's what you do. And yeah, you blew my mind with a little bit of that information. I, I know he's played, what was it, 15 years with the Red Wings organization and, yeah, damn near a 1,000 games or a 1,000 games. I mean, to not have dropped mitts one time, that's that's pretty fucking mind-blowing. Yeah, exactly. And, like, I went on I went on hockey fights to even confirm it. Like, because he played a couple years, you know, before he was a you know, regular with the, uh, with the Red Wings. He played in their minor, the AHL system. And even on hockey fights, he has no fight cards in the AHL either. Like, it just fucking blows my mind that a guy can go around and do that shit and then just skate away and, and hide and, you know, hope that a, a Chris Chelios comes in and protects him or, you know, some shit like that. And it's just like, dude, uh, come on. Like, it just it pisses me off. Or I mean, I guess not. Well, in what, 15 years was he playing with McSorley? Well, I mean, were they were they ever did they cross paths? I mean, that'd be pretty crazy. I don't know. Off the top of my head, to be honest with you, somebody have to look into. But I mean, I guess more along the lines of I mean, not even like uh, I guess Chelios, who was primarily was he was he mostly Red Wings or Blackhawks? I don't even remember anymore. I I, I remember Chris Chelios more as a Blackhawk, okay. but I I mean I don't I don't fucking know they. The Blackhawks and the Red Wings were obviously both rivals of the Blues in the 90s, so I just knew that I hated both teams. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I know the names, you know, obviously that stick out, the Belfour, the Chelios, you know, the Iserman, the Fedorov, you know, all that stuff. But, yeah, I mean, and a lot of those teams were interchangeable, especially with our team. You know, we had Shanahan and Hall, you know, and they went up to be Red Wings and win cups. And so, yeah, it's all kind of a blur, to be honest. Yeah, and I mean, it's just like... I don't know. It's like you have a guy like I think right before Cronwall came into the league, the Red Wings, you know, had Bob Probert on their team and you know, a guy would just fucking lay it out in line and just screw anyone over basically to get a chance to do it with. And it's just like you have a guy like that. And then two years later, the rest of the next 15 years you have a guy doing shit like that. It, it just pisses me off. That's not what hockey's about. It's but anyway, yeah, it's 
Yeah, but nevertheless, the guy did play a thousand games in in the league, and you know, uh, you know, stick taps to that. And even though he may not be part of an organization that we were particularly fond of, or you know, we don't really get behind what he, how he played, uh, you know, there is a level of respect that we're gonna throw towards him for you know the thousand games in the fifteen years, and uh, and yeah, um, so yeah, we still got a few more things to talk about. Uh, I know when we were talking about the signings, we kind of skipped over, I think, a pretty important one. Well, maybe, maybe not an important one of the league, but I definitely think it's important for the Columbus Blue Jackets, and that's uh, Zach Gorensky. He signed three years with a $5 million AAV, um, which I think is a solid uh, step for the organization considering they lost everybody. So, you know, they kind of need to keep who they can to you know keep the morale of the team up. Yeah, I mean, not only that, it's a smart deal all around because – He's getting paid short term, and then he's still an RFA after his three year deal's up. So he's not going anywhere after those three years, which is good for the I would say, I guess for the fan base outlook, for the organization outlook, you know, all that stuff. So that's definitely good news for them. Um, I'm on the fence how I feel about his value. I feel like they're overpaying because they need to keep somebody that has a little bit of a name there and you know keep him happy. Because in my opinion, like Wolinski, he's great in my opinion offensively, but defensively, I was looking at some, and I mean, I hate to be, you know, that asshole with NHL and, you know, analytics and this shit and that, but I mean, I was looking at, you know, shift starts and whatnot, and, you know, he was pretty sheltered five on five where I think it was, you know, it was a huge chunk of his shifts, you know, started in the neutral zone or the offensive zone. Very rarely did they have him out there, you know. So they get him off the ice for a uh, defensive uh, shift starting in his own zone. So, yeah, I mean, it was, what, a minus 12 last year. So that's uh, something there, I guess. But, yeah, that's just my opinion. Well, you know, to to point out uh, something that you've brought up, your counter argument before you said it's not really overpaying if you have the cap space, correct? So they, they have the cap space because they lost everybody. Uh, including their star forward and their goaltender. So they do have the money and it's not like it's going to really reflect their cap hit for long because it's only three years. So it's it's a solid bridge deal um, for both the player and the organization where, you know, maybe five million, you know, might not be the best price, but, you know, three years is a good term. Um, and, you know, if he, you know, improves his skills and brings more to the organization, maybe steps up and has a bigger role on the team, uh, then, you know, maybe that next contract might be much bigger for him. And it it's great for the player, to be honest with you, because he doesn't have to be stuck there. Sure. Because Columbus, who knows what that team, I mean, that team looks sad. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sorry. I, Blue Jackets fans, and I have a few friends that are, it, your team looks sad, uh, and, I, and I feel for you. And I... You know, I, I've had conversations before with the guys that are, are fans of the team, and they're just like, man, it's so freaking hard to be a fan right now to watch everyone walk away. That You know, the chemistry just isn't there, despite you have a great coach, and, you know, you had the longest, the furthest run you've made. I mean, you made you made a fool of, you know, the President's Trophy winners last season. So, that, I mean, that says a lot, but you still don't, you don't got anything. You don't have anything in the future, and, you know, um, so to lock this guy down three years, five million, yeah, it's a little higher, but you know, better to keep some guys around and you know, maybe hopefully they can start to build from there. I don't know what their farming system looks like. I don't know what they're at with draft picks, but you know, overall they seem like a pretty wholesome organization. Like, you know, for the for, for the most part, the fan base seems fair. Um, yeah, I, I would like to see that team kind of, you know, turn around. I I'm a big Tortorella fan too, you yeah. know, like he's a dickhead, but I mean, he's a lovable dickhead, you know, he's <laughs> yeah, definitely my favorite coach to watch, you know, in the, in the league by far. Yeah, no doubt. And yeah, I get, I mean, I feel like the best way I can describe the blue jackets, I feel like they have like five second line defensemen. Like that's their, that's their decor. Like they're good people, but it's just like, you got to figure out where to use them in the right situations and, in my opinion, that's why Tortorella is there to do stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see what their drop off is going to be next year, or they could challenge for a wild card spot again. But yeah, we'll see as time goes. Who's their star? Like, who's their like star forward? Am I? Am I just? I'm losing my mind here. I can't think of who. who I mean, have. if you're looking, if you're yeah, if you're looking at two stars, I mean, I guess you could, maybe yeah, I would say on D you have Seth Jones, and then on offense you have Cam Atkinson, which is okay. Yeah, Atkinson. Mm. Decent. Yeah. You know, you put 
Pot had 40 goals last year. You know, he put up 30 in the past, 35 in the past. So and that's, score. that's weird too, because you could say, well, you said 40 goals. I mean, on a, on a shit team. So it's like, is that, is that, well, no, I guess they weren't a shit team. So that's, that's kind of a good yeah. task. So, you know, to see what they're going to do uh, coming into this next season is going to be, you know, very interesting to say the least. Uh, so yeah, closing off this episode, um, you know, I hate to kind of end it on some downers, but, uh, you know, it's important to talk about here. Um, first we'll talk about the news that we got today. Uh, and that is defenseman, uh, Shea Theodore of the Vegas golden Knights, uh, was diagnosed with uh, testicular cancer, uh, and, um, underwent surgery for that in the off season. Uh, they were pretty on certain it sounded like whether or not he's going to be joining the team uh at the beginning of the year i they seemed optimistic but there was really no confirmation uh obviously cancer is fucking disgusting it's a horrible thing um you know like i said i don't want to get too dark and, and too deep but it, it's it's a subject that uh that hits home with me very hard uh and you know it's such a terrible thing to see especially in young athletes uh, but he, you know, he seems very positive. Uh, and, uh, if you, you, there's an article and, you know, we'll share it from our Facebook, um, cause it's a worthy read and it talks about how Phil Kessel, who went through something very similar, um, reached out to him and gave him some awesome advice and some support. And, and that's always awesome to see, you know, players of all franchises and all organizations coming together, you know, to say, fuck cancer. Um, not really much more to say about that. I mean, we, we wish the guy the best and, uh, you know, hopefully a speedy recovery because, you know, the team needs him. That's for damn sure. I know. And obviously that's the least of his worries, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, I, I wish a speedy recovery and I, I hope everything goes well for him. Yeah. I mean, did you read his players tribute note that came out today and how he sort of got the idea that he had it? Uh, I must have missed the idea that he had it. I, I know that they said they found like some, some, uh, something in his urine from what I remember correctly. Yeah. So he went over after the Knights got eliminated. Uh, he went over to join, uh, team Canada at the world championships. And basically I guess he got drug tested and then I think it was right for the quarterfinals. They said, Hey, come with me again. And he's like, wait, another drug test. It's kind of weird. And then I guess there were a few guys um, in suits who like sat him down. They're like, so you failed your drug test. And he had something hormone in his drug test that was called HCG. No idea what it stands for. They said it's generally found in women during pregnancy. And they said, alternatively, it's generally found in people who have testicular cancer. Um, but yeah, that's what I remember off the top of my head. I don't, I, I don't think there was an issue with them playing or not, but... Um, yeah, then obviously went to his doctor and everything got confirmed and yeah. So, I mean, from my understanding, I don't think, I mean, assuming everything went well with the biopsy and the removal of everything, I don't see how it would really impact his, you know, him joining the team or maybe he might, you know, be there for practice and, you know, be at a point where he feels comfortable to play, get in the lineup type of a thing. But I don't think it would impact anything too majorly besides maybe mentally, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure it'll take some adjusting, you know, having the one nut gone or or, or both yeah. nuts. I mean, I don't know. I I have both my nuts, thankfully. Uh, so uh, uh, I'm glad that I don't know what that's like. But I do know that there were some rumblings uh, during the rookie um, the rookie competition uh, training camp ordeal where they were saying that there were not just one but two open positions currently for defense that these players were fighting over for the Knights. So I don't know if that's just they needed an extra guy and they need some depth or if they're, you know, kind of thinking he's going to be a question mark. Uh, either way, wish him the best, um, you know, and uh, I hope for a speedy recovery. Uh, and, um, you know, we can keep moving on. And like I said, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll just kind of talk about this and keep it, you know, try to keep it as light as possible. But, you know, there's something that I've wanted to talk about on this podcast before. Uh, and, and we've, you know, it's just levels of depression. And with this being a uh, suicide awareness week, or we just missed the day, um, it's a great thing to talk about. Um, and I know that this might be slightly different, but kind of tying it all in is uh, Justin Williams, the captain um, from the Carolina Hurricanes, has stepped away 
Um, unsure whether he's going to join the team or why he stepped away. If I mean, he like as you said, he was an RFA, and we'll kind of we'll kind of explore the options as to why that is. But some people are speculating that you know his 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 head's not all there, and or that maybe the injuries might be rearing their head. And uh, but yeah, he stepped away from the team. Uh, what what can you make from all that? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to really pinpoint what what exactly is the reasoning or what were the reasons behind his, you know, sort of, you know, decision at that point. I mean, the guy is like, like we were saying earlier before the podcast, I mean, the guys be 38, right. As the season starts, I mean, he's played a hell of a lot of hockey. I mean, he's cup champion. I mean, he doesn't really have, you know, that much more to prove necessarily, you know, in the league. So it makes me wonder if it's just, you know, he wants to literally, you know, step away and reset, whether that be mentally, physically, both, could be, you know, a situation where the Hurricanes are like, we want to bring you back, but this is the role we envisioned for you, and he wasn't happy with it. Could be that. Could be a combination of the money they were potentially offering him. He's just like, you know what, I don't want to deal with this right now. I mean, it could be a factor of all those things. It's obviously hard to pinpoint it without uh, without him saying. Um, I know we were sort of discussing the, you know, similarities or differences between the Patrick Berglund situation and, you know, this one with Justin Williams and, I think personally think they're they're completely different where Berglund was contractually signed to play and his agent screwed him over and getting his no trade list into the Blues. So the Blues traded him to the Sabres. And even though the Sabres were on his no trade list, they missed the deadline. So it didn't matter. Um, so I'm sure that really pissed him off and fucked with his head. And, you know, the fact that you're playing in Buffalo, you know, a place that I've been a few times, there's really not much there. It's not the greatest place to, in my opinion, you know, live or, you know, have to, you know, hang out in, you know, six months out of the year, give or take. But yeah, again, at the end of the day, I think it's more of a, I'm an old man. This game's taking a toll on me both mentally and physically, and I need to figure out what I want to do. And I don't want to be that guy who, you know, signs a contract in 20 games into the season, you know, saying, Hey, I want to do this piece out. So. Right. Exactly. And I, and I do think, as you said, it's taking its toll mentally and physically because, you know, Justin Williams obviously had a bigger role with the Hurricanes than Patrick Berglund ever did, uh, you know, with the Sabres who barely made an impact on the team. This is this is the face of an organization. This is a leader that's been in the locker room. This is a Stanley Cup champion, as you said. And it's just strange. Um, 38 or not, I mean, it's not like. The guy was, you know, struggling. It did. I mean, he obviously he had his problems with injuries, and and that's no, that's no lie. But it just seems strange. It's not retirement. It's walking away, and you know, it's hard to bounce back from that. And I, I think he knows that too. I mean, are we going to see Berglund in the league again? I, I mean, who knows? I mean, when you walk away from the big show, it, it's hard to get back in, especially like if you lose your rhythm, and. I, you know, I, I hope that things are going well for the guy. I mean, he seems like a stand-up leader, uh, especially after last last year. I mean, last year was a hell of a run for that for that organization and just so great for the morale with, you know, the whole uh, – what, what do they call those? The celebrations that they had. I mean, some people will make fun of them, but the, the warning – the take warning celebrations or – I, I don't know. I know it's silly. Jerks. Yeah, a bunch of jerks. But, man, dude, it, it – it made that team, you know, a contender again. It, it gave that team an identity. And, you know, obviously he was, he's the leader. He's, he's the captain. He's a big part of that. And so, you know, I hope he figures it out and I, I hope it's not just a money thing. And I hope it's, I hope it's not just a depression thing and, or an injury thing. I, I hope it's uh something he can get fixed and he can come back. Cause you know, I, I really do think that that team is going to be a contender, especially we talked about it last episode. Um, You know, Hala is going to be, you know, playing for him next season. And, and they, I, I mean, they, they look promising. I mean, they, they definitely freaked a lot of people out last year. That's for damn sure. Yeah, definitely. No doubt about it. But I mean, yeah, like you said, great time to bring this up with uh, what national suicide prevention week that we're currently, you know, about halfway through and, you know, make sure you take those things very seriously. And, you know, someone out there is, you know, you know, feeling down or, you know, having, you know, bad thoughts or what have you, reach out to people you think might care about you. I mean, hell reach out to us. We're happy to have a conversation with you. If things are, you know, going shitty for you as well. You know, it's just cause we sit here and bullshit and talk on podcasts all day about hockey. You know, it doesn't mean we're not human beings and, you know, care about, you know, pe- people in general. So that's just my take on it. 
Yeah, and it's really easy when you're an athlete or when you're an entrepreneur or a business guy or, or some – it's easy when you're just passionate about what you do to get lost in it um, and just go, 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 go. And you don't really realize when it creeps up on you, to be honest with you. You know, I shit, I mean – I had a panic attack the other day, you know, and I just, I'm a DJ on the side for those that don't know and had this massive panic attack out of nowhere. And and I was, I was fine. Or I, I, you know, I thought I was fine. And all of a sudden I'm sweating bullets and I'm, my vision's blurry and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like just out of my body experience. And, and, you know, these are things that you just don't, you don't realize when you're a go, go, go person like I am and how you have to be as an athlete. Uh, you know, eventually you need to just, you know, take time to sit back and, as you said, reach out to your friends and family and, you know, kind of go, you know, from there because you're, you're never alone. And, you know, especially being in the public eye, the way some of these athletes are, I mean, I can only imagine, uh, you know, what it's like reading about, you know, if you had a shit game or, you know, n- constantly traveling, never being there with your family, whatever it be. I mean, it's definitely a hard lifestyle. So, you know, stick taps to him. I hope he figures it out and, you know, also to Berglund, you know, Bergie, I mean, he, you know, he was a hat trick Berglund. I'll never forget that. You know, that, that was a big part of uh, a couple seasons ago. And, you know, I, I had, I'd like to see him return as well. Um, so yeah, that'll, uh, that about wraps us up with, you know, everything current, uh, you know, the preseason is starting this weekend. Uh, you know, home openers are right around the corner. So we're going to have a lot to talk about. Um, we do have uh we I posted this up very last minute, so we don't we don't really have a lot of questions this week, which is cool because we're kind of I want to wrap this up at around that the hour mark. Um, so this Matthew Lentz had a bunch of questions, but I'm gonna um, I'm gonna pick two of them because he's got he's got four. Yeah, I saw all those. Seems like this guy's a fan of old school hockey, so let's kind of talk <laughs> about that. Um, I guess he says. The first question is, and I'll go with the easier one first, and then we'll kind of go into the bigger one. Uh, who will bring the attitude for the Blues this season? I guess, I guess he's referring to the loss of Pat Maroon. You know, everybody in St. Louis can't seem to get over that. So I guess he's wondering who's going to step up and kind of be that enforcer role. Who who do you think would be like that for the St. Louis Blues? I mean, if I if I had to put my money on it, who's going to be that guy? I, I mean, I personally see it as Sammy Blay. I mean. He's a guy that I'm pretty, I, I correct me if I'm wrong. I think like every game that he played, you know, or just about every game that he played with the blues this season and postseason, I want to say he pretty much led or, you know, was tied among the hit leaders for the game. I mean, this guy out there will throw the body around and, you know, at the same point, it's like, you know how I am with, with hit stats. So I feel like a lot of it's overinflated and kind of bogus to, you know, sell a tough game that really isn't as tough as it was before. But I mean, his hits, when he lays them on, like they're heavy. I mean, they're, they're heavy hits. I mean, he's a guy that actually goes out of the way to actually play the body still versus, you know, pop a guy, bump a guy against the boards type of thing or press up against the boards. Like, he's going out there to hit you. And he's not the biggest dude, but he does it. And I feel like that's the guy who is probably going to probably take a role as close to Pat Maroon that we would have on the team moving forward. Very true. Very true. I'm going to counter with answering the question just a little bit differently. Uh, he said, who's going to bring the attitude for the team? And I mean... Good old Bobby B, you know, Robert Bertuzzo. I, I I don't I that guy's got a lot of spirit uh, and a lot of character. So I could see him continue to be uh, an aggressive force on the ice uh, as we saw him um, lay out. Who was that on the stars? Oh, it was uh, it was Haskinen. Haskinen. Yeah, he just like knocked him on his ass three times and then laughed in his face. I, I, I love it. And and the Robert Bertuzzo sellies are just amazing. Like he seems like a guy that like whenever you would run into him on the street, say you, you start talking shit, you're in a bar and a bar fight might ensue. He's the kind of guy that can start a bar fight with a laugh. You know what I'm saying? Like just looking at you and just laughing his fucking ass off with his fucking big, big fucking beady eyes and his big <laughs> ass teeth. Like if that dude laughed in my fucking face, like I would flip. And of course he's like, I mean, the dude seems like he's nine foot eleven. He's he's a he's a beast, and yeah. you know he he looks like he's he could be a a force to be reckoned with. And he, obviously, he's very aggressive. He is a defenseman, so he might necessarily be uh you know necessarily checking like you know a forward like a fourth line goon would or as you will. But uh, yeah, I, I could see Bertuzzo being an entity as well. Yeah, 
and I was gonna say just to cl- just to clarify, just so I don't sound like an asshole, doesn't know what he's talking about. It was Essa Lindell who dove. I forget they're both from Finland, so I get them mixed up. They kind of are around the same age and stuff. But yeah, just to clarify, it was Lindell who dove, not Haskinen. Okay, and we do have a video. Maybe we'll share that. Maybe we'll share that again on our Facebook. It's one of my it's one of my favorite videos I've made. So check that out as well. Um, and uh, yeah, we got we got one more question. Finish him. Uh, finish him. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I was. I was all about that. That was that was early on. That was very early on in, in us doing this. I don't even know if we were doing the podcast then. Uh, um, might have been right around the start. Very close. Very very close. Um, which this is a good time as any before we answer this last question. Uh, go back and, and listen to the other episodes. Um, we have this is the fourteenth one now, so we have thirteen other ones, and obviously they're time sensitive. Uh, we talk about you know news and and signings and all that great stuff, but it's definitely interesting to go back and listen to because we we try not to be all analytical and and always about facts. Uh, and it, when we do, we kind of look like idiots. If you go back in the b- very beginning, our predictions for the fucking the playoffs last year are hilarious. Yep. So at bare minimum, you can go back and maybe make a drinking game of it and listen to it and uh, and take a shot every time we predicted something that was completely fucking off. <laughs> and uh, and you can at least get a good buzz going. Um, yeah. So one more question. Uh, and it, same same gentleman. Uh, he wanted to know, I guess, who our favorite enforcers are of all time um, I feel like did we answer this one already i can't remember if we did no i think we talked about who would win in a fight yeah like, was like that's it we talked about last episode you know what would happen if uh tony twist and ryan reeves kind of kind of went at it but I, I don't think we really talked about our favorite necessarily enforcers as it is um obviously my obvious is reeves ryan reeves is always going to be my favorite um just you know at that at that time and now he's kind of the last of his kind. Um, the dude is the last of the enforcers, as you would say, and can't even get a fucking fight to save his life. Everyone seems afraid of him. Uh, I think that's a, I think that's something to be proud of. Um, obviously Tony twist was a, a, a big one for me growing up. Um, watching that fucking dude is, yeah, I mean, he was a beast uh, to say the least. Um, I mean, it would be wrong to not say Probert, you know, everyone will throw that name out. Um, I, I just want to go on record and say that I've said this before when I'm drunk, I've tweeted this out. I'm said, uh, hockey or fighting is the best part about hockey. And if you don't agree, you're a pussy and, uh, I'm sober. Well, I'm I'm kind of sober. I'm a couple drinks in, but I I stand by that. I love that. And I, and as the league gets faster and more skilled um, and closer to like what the KHL has to offer, uh, part of me dies. So I I just want to say that I I do, I do dig that style of play and uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Reeves and in twist. It's pretty close, uh, but yeah, Revo's going to have my heart for sure. Fair enough. Yeah. I'll give you three. Um, Currently. Yeah. I think hands down just because there's really no one else that exists is, currently Reeves. I mean, I'm not even going to really get into it, but that's who's left. That's really all there is. Um, going back in time. Yeah. Favorite. I mean, no doubt for a lot of reasons, obviously Tony twist. Um, and then, yeah, I think it's all coming back to me now. I think, yeah, what we're talking about is people who like would win in a fight. But then I was talking about also how twist and Ty Domi, they played their careers pretty much same years for the most part. And they never fought, but yeah, I also, I love Ty Domi as well. I know we talked about that whole penalty box incident where, you know, I got into it with the fan. The fan like fell into the penalty box, which is great. But um, yeah, those are the three. It would definitely be Reeves, Tony Twist, and uh, Ty Domi for me. Yeah, Ty Domi is definitely a character. I think that that's my favorite part about Enforcers. It's not just being a dickhead, you know, like is is kind of having that character. Because, uh, you know, obviously like John Scott would, would be up there sure. um, as a character as well. Like seeing him. Uh, laugh in Kane's face when everyone booed him at the All-Star <laughs> game. That will, that'll forever be one of my favorite things in the history of hockey. Yes, it is. Um, so yeah, let, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, like we said, uh, preseason starts this weekend uh, and we're going to be doing these weekly now. Uh, we, we took a couple weeks off, kind of prepare for the season, but uh, we're going to have to get together more often to talk about this. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that fourth line goon, the number four fourth line goon. Uh, you have anything else you want to add here at the end here? 
Uh, no, not a whole lot. It's going to be nice to actually, you know, seeing more, you know, positive stuff about hockey being reported, you know, league wide, not just, you know, Blues one cup, Blues off season, summer with the champs. It'll be nice to actually see, you know, a lot more about all the different teams and whatnot. And I know we also have some plans in the works to get a lot more, uh, a lot more of the fan base involved from a lot of different uh, teams as well, which we need to get working on too. So it'll be interesting to see how that, uh, how that evolves over the year. But um, I think the only other thing I really want to add is you and I need to sort of figure out the parameters on is uh, a fantasy league for hockey this year. What's the, what we're going to do, how many teams who's going to be involved. Are we going to do with money or not? You know, if not, what's the prize going to be? You know, shit like that. So, yeah, absolutely. No, let's let's put that out. I want to I want to see if we can get enough attention for it. I've never ran a fantasy league, but you know what the hell? Uh, let's let's see what we can't put together. Uh, find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Later, guys.